Awesome. That was so great to do. If you're here in person, you can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks so much for engaging with us today uh, in this way. Uh, I, I love New City Kids. It's incredible um, to think about. If you've ever been there in person, they lead you in worship, just the teenagers, and they, they produce their own presentations, um, different musicals. They're actually going to be doing a virtual program like that on December 1st, and we'll be talking more about that. Uh, but we'd love for you to volunteer with us next week, uh, volunteer with them, and it's an incredible opportunity. Our church is going to be, as I said, funding uh, some of the, the care packages that they're sending out. And so we've been invited to be part of that celebration, so it's an awesome opportunity. And you can RSVP online. We have a limited number of people that we're going to send, but we definitely want to do that. Awesome. Well, as we continue today, uh, we are going to be continuing our conversation called Leading Through. And we're talking about three essentials for navigating uncertainty. And so it's a four-week series, and next week will be week four. And so we will wrap this up uh, next week. And we started out talking about the foundation of leadership and how God has just given us our abilities and our gifts. And we are great stewards of that. And when we understand it's been given to us and it's temporary, it changes how we love others and how we engage. And then uh, last week we talked about the first essential, which is moral authority. And in our world, especially right now, uh, we, we are hyper-focused on uh, positional authority. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, or not, uh, but we've been uh, electing government officials in federal, state, and city levels. I don't know if you've probably heard something about that, uh, I'm assuming. But yeah, this is a positional authority. And in your life, you're kind of driven towards that. And it's a good thing. It's essential. We need mayors. We need policemen. We need managers, whether you like them or not. And so we need those positional authorities. But when things really get tough for you, when you go through a hard time, you begin to look for someone that you can trust and you need someone that you know that you can share the deepest personal information that could be even shaming to you. And whenever you get in that moment, you don't care how somebody dresses, how popular they are on Instagram, how close they are to your friend circles, uh, how, how, how important they are in your neighborhood. You want somebody that you know that you can say something to and they won't share to others that you can trust or has great wisdom. And you are seeking out someone with moral authority. And in times like this, when we walk through uncertainty, we are tempted more than ever to engage in things that will destroy that foundation. And so we need to be reminded that that is a key foundation for us as we pursue our lives. And you can want to catch back up. It's on our website. It's on our podcast. And today we're going to talk more about an essential that is centered a little bit around communication. And communication is obviously important. And I don't know if you've ever had to share something that was hard or you had a mix-up, but this happens all the time in life. If you know me, um, you know that I spent about a year or so working in customer service. Uh, it was for an e-commerce company, and their headquarters were down in the waterfront here in Jersey City. And this is a while back, but um, I was the person on the other end of the phone, and you do an online order or something could go wrong or whatever, and you had to call in or you would email in. I would be the person that was on the other side of this. This was so so long ago that we weren't even doing chat customer service. It was being debated at the time. This is back in the Stone Age, all right, when it was not chat available. And uh, but I was the person on the other end, and I loved working for the company. They were they were purchased by Amazon, of course, and. Um, but at the time, the, the original founders were still running it 
like they wanted to, and they were known for having amazing service. And so I was literally empowered to do whatever I wanted to to solve problems, which is a lot of fun. And I kept waiting to be called into somebody's office for crazy things I did, but they never did, and that made it a lot of fun. And so it was, it was great. And this was a business that was built on certainty. So they were the pioneers of where the, you, you place an order and would say, your order is going to arrive on this day by this time. They were the ones that really pioneered this. And, and this was a business model built on certainty. The, the, the problem was around Christmas time, the window of certainty would begin to diminish and actually eventually go away. And either things will go out of stock uh, and there was no longer options uh, and then problems would come from that. Or delivery services like UPS and FedEx and others would essentially eventually take time off. They're off for Christmas and sometimes a day or two before. And so things would just stop. And so I would get calls in and this, this thing of certainty would suddenly go away. Whereas you know, something came damaged and it was out of stock and I couldn't get it to them or, you know, something was lost and we had no way to get it to them on time to get there by Christmas. And I would try to engage in the dialogues like I normally did around this idea of certainty that I can get this to you. I can solve this as quickly as possible. I would overnight things, whatever I could do. But those things began to go away and it would create all these problems in the conversation. And I eventually realized that I was trying to continue this conversation on certainty, but it had changed. What they needed from me in that moment was clarity. I can no longer provide certainty. And so my converse, I began to understand this, and I would just, I would, as soon as it, the screen would pop up, as they called in, I would know immediately what the, the problem was. <laughs> and I would just tell them, I'm sorry, this is not going to get there to you. There's nothing that we can do. I'm sorry this thing was damaged. We have no way to solve this. And that was literally what I would just tell them straight up. I needed to provide clarity to them. And they would be upset. And then they would proceed to tell me, and I'm not kidding, that you have now ruined my kids' Christmas. You've ruined their lives. They are not going to get this spinny toy. And so it's you have ruined everything for them. That's literally what they would tell me. Uh, don't piss off parents. That's the rule for all of this is don't make parents mad. They get really angry. So anyway... Um, and so uh, that was not fun, but the, the, this, when we have certainty go away, it's very hard. And what you need in those moments is clarity. Uh, in relationships, uh, this happens all the time, miscommunication. My wife and I went out to a movie, and uh, this is early on in our marriage. And, and, and my wife doesn't really like seeing scary movies. She's not a big fan of things where it's, something's hiding in the dark, and then some monster or something comes out and screams at you and stuff like that. So... We were going to see a movie, and I was like, well, let's go see I Am Legend, <laughs> which if you've, if you've seen this before, it's a Will Smith movie, which was like a zombie-type genre, and it was kind of ahead of the zombie craze, and, or maybe at the beginning of it. And so I was like, yeah, this is a blockbuster Will Smith movie. She's like, okay, I like Will Smith big movies, so let's go. And in the middle of the movie, she's like, this is not okay. And she was just very unhappy with this essentially lack of communication. And so it was not as certain as she thought. If you are from the New York City area or Georgia City area, um, and you've ever traveled, which most of us here travel quite a bit, and you've needed to eat, this usually creates a huge dilemma because of the standards that we have here are so high. It's, it's sometimes almost impossible. 
And so when you're traveling, what do you do? You, you go on Google and you look up reviews or Yelp or both. And like you'll find a place that's got a couple hundred reviews and it's five stars. You're like, okay, all right, I found a place that's got so many reviews and it's still five stars. This, this will be good. And you go there and you eat and what happens? You're like, this is terrible. You're like, I can't believe this. And if any of you are new to Jersey City, you'll, you'll eventually get there, I promise. But you can't believe, like, how are hundreds of people saying that this is five stars? Your idea of what really good is, is a lot different than other people's standards in different parts of the country. But what we want to know in all these moments, we want to know that the movie is something that we'll both like. That will be good. We want to know that the restaurant will be good. What we're seeking after is certainty. We want certainty. But sometimes, many times, and if it's 2020, um, certainty many times is not an option. What do you do then? How do you pursue this? And so we're living in very uncertain times. Things are way different. We've now engaged in a pandemic combined with an economic shutdown, which left us teetering on an economic meltdown, and we're still trying to figure that out. And that's all while navigating social unrest in the middle of a pretty major election year. It's kind of crazy, right? So how does God lead us, and how do we engage in uncertainty? And so that's what I want to engage in, and especially around this idea of clarity. I want to take us to do two different places. One is a story that we find in the Old Testament, and it's a story of the transition between Moses and his leadership to Joshua. And, and it was a pretty interesting time, and if you look at it through this lens, it is fascinating. And so Moses, as you, you know, even if you haven't been following God, or you've probably seen at least some movies or something around who Moses was, and he stood up to Pharaoh. They had been enslaved for hundreds of years, and God was finally like, I'm ready to, to lead you out of this. And Moses was that leader, and he said, let my people go. And so they let his people go through all kinds of crazy circumstances, and they they got away from that, and they saw God provide in many ways. And still, despite seeing God work so visibly, they eventually butted up against God and had a time where they just kind of said no, and they lost faith. And so God said, okay, you had this promised land that I was leading you towards, but this generation, because of your unfaithfulness, your lack of faith, you're not going to see this. And so for the next 40 years, Moses was forced to lead them around in the desert. They began to, to wander until that generation passed away. And so after, after most of the generation, that generation had passed away, it was time to take a step forward. And Moses was on his deathbed as well. And so he was going to pass the torch to Joshua and Joshua to lead. And he had been apprenticing Joshua, and Joshua had been, you know, the next leader, and so he had, Joshua was a man after God's heart, and was, pre, you know, was, was in that line, was going to take over as leader. There's a problem, though. The leadership environment changed completely, 100%. He had chained, trained Joshua how to lead in a time of wondering. For 40 years, they were just wandering around in the desert, and that's what the leadership context for him was. And so now Joshua was going to be charged with now moving forward 
crossing the Jordan River into what God had called the Promised Land, and they knew that there were enemies on the other side that they would have to fight, and there's all these unknowns, and he was going to have to lead them in this. I don't know if you've ever had to lead other people. If you've ever been put into a new position or you've taken over for somebody, that's really difficult to do, especially if people have been following someone else. That's a hard thing to navigate. And so Joshua was overwhelmed. He was afraid. And he was discouraged. It was all uncertain. How do we know this? Because of what the scripture says. This is a phenomenal passage. This is found in Joshua 1. And it says this. This is God speaking to to Joshua. and, And God speaks to him in his uncertainty. He says this. He goes, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, I understand this passage more now as a father. I've got three children. And, and so whenever my children, when I say things to my children, it's usually because of something that's going on in their lives. It's a reaction to their demeanor and, and how they are. So if, so if one of my kids was in a really good mood, was very confident, having a great week at school, and they were going off somewhere and like to hang out with friends, and they were just in a really great mood and so confident about this, I would not go up to them and suddenly be like, hey, on your way out, just, just oh, no, do not be discouraged. Don't be afraid. And if I did that, they would, they would just look at me and be like, okay, Dad, thanks, thanks for that. <clears throat> and then they would move on. Like, it would be really weird. Why would I tell them? If I ever said those words to them, it's because they were afraid and they are discouraged. It usually would come out of a tough week at school. They're trying to learn a new concept, or they're with friends who've not been very nice to them, and so they're, they're not feeling very confident. And so I would speak into their life and say, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. You have studied. We are with you in this. You know what to do. Be encouraged. The reason God is saying these words to Joshua is because he was discouraged. And we see and we read about how Joshua began to lead them forward. But I think it's so important to know that he was facing so much uncertainty, and he was, in fact, afraid. And I think it's so important for us to acknowledge this, that we don't know what's going on. And if you're a leader, even if you say, I'm just leading myself, that is okay okay to publicly acknowledge say, I don't know how to do this. And I'll tell you, I don't know how to lead the church during a time like this. Anybody else know anyone who's walked through a pandemic with economic problems and social unrest and election year and all these other things all at once? It's kind of unique. So God says to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. And then he says this, he says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is so key. We're going to hear this phrase again here in just a little bit in a different place. This is what my children need to know. And I say to them all the time, I'm with you. We're here with you with this when they struggle. You're not alone. And so Joshua responds. What we see is that the basis of Joshua's courage 
was not his ability to predict the future and forecast what's going to happen. What's really interesting is we see a lot of what, out of what he says, we see a lot out of actually what he doesn't say. And when he begins to lead them, he doesn't say, hey, everything's going to be fine. I'm, and I'm gonna, he didn't promise all these different things that were going to happen. He didn't predict the future. He knew better. He could not provide certainty. He could not provide certainty. It says here as it continues, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people. He says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. He just anchored their attention to the next thing to do and where they would do it. He says, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan River here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And he says, go and prepare your camp. Get your provisions ready. We're going to get this together, and then we're going to go, and we're going to cross the river. This is the very next step for us. He could not provide certainty, so he provided for them clarity. He gave them something to do. He focused them on what was in front of them, what they knew that they could do. I'm sure that they're wondering, well, we, how are we going to cross the river? We've got all this stuff, and we're supposed to go this, and like, what's going to be on the other side? And if we have enemies, are we prepared for that? Like, all these details. And he just focused them on what was in front of them, and they took steps. And he's trusting that God was with them wherever they went. Let's fast forward now. I want to go to the right after Jesus' resur- resurrection. And I don't know if you can imagine this scene. And yesterday I was thinking about this. My family and I were driving uh, towards Hamilton Park yesterday. And uh, we were out doing a couple of different things. And all of a sudden, we, we had the windows down. It's a beautiful day. And it's another beautiful day today. And, and all of a sudden, I start hearing what sounded like a parade or cheering. And this was late morning, just around somewhere before noon. And I was looking around. I was like, there must be some kind of... Sometimes I think, is this a protest or like what's going on? And I was looking towards the park. I didn't see anything and it sounded so loud. And so we kept moving and I was like, I can still hear it. And then it hit us. People were on their stoops with pots and pans cheering and yelling because the presidential election had been called. And people were just celebrating everywhere. I don't know if you guys have heard or saw this yesterday. There were fireworks going off all over the city, both here in Georgia City and in New York. And, and a lot of people are celebrating, and I know many of you are very happy about that. And, and, uh, and, and you know, you've walked through different journeys, and it was kind of fun to see a city all over the place spontaneously celebrating without any cues. And, and the other thing I was thinking of last night, I was like, who had fireworks set aside for this? Like, like I think that's kind of cool. These are people that I want to get to know. They're like ready for a party. I don't know if they literally have fire, like the presidential fireworks. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to celebrate at a moment's notice. But that's what was happening. So somewhere they had a celebration stash ready to go. I don't think they had time to go to Pennsylvania and back. But anyway, uh, that's just a total random thing. But um, can you imagine being Christ followers? followers of Jesus, and they saw him die, and they were devastated. And if you know anything about the story, he'd been telling them, in three days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, and in three days, I'm going to rise again. They're like, no, you're not going to die. Like, it's not going to happen. And then he died, and they were, they were devastated. And they, they, they hid. <clears throat> For them, it was a final thing, and they were completely confused. They had no idea what to do. But then he rose from the grave, and he shows up in front of them. And all those words he had been storing up in them became true.
true. Can you imagine the jubilee, the celebration, the unbelievable joy just to go and to just be like, this has happened? Can you, like, I can't imagine how amazing that feeling was. By the way, we always have that posture, that Scenario is always true for us as Christ followers. We always have that hope and joy of the resurrection and what it meant. Can you imagine? And so that whole thing happens. And they're like, wow, the resurrection happened. You really are the Son of God. And they're really to give up their lives. They they suddenly were, were presented with a hope beyond hope like they had never known before. All these scriptures they had been taught growing up and begin to all make even more sense. And so they're like, wow, here we are. Now this has happened. So now what do we do? What does the world look like now? And basically they're going to Jesus and being like, okay, Jesus, what's next? Which they're not necessarily asking. Actually, the disciples really did say that. They were bold enough to be like, all right, what do we do now? And so Jesus comes and he tells them what's next. But instead of explaining what came next, he gave them something to do. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine this, but if he was like, okay, all right, so the first couple 300 years, it's going to be a little hard. And um, there's going to be a lot of persecution here in Jerusalem. In fact, you guys are going to scatter, and you're going to be planting churches all over this this Greco-Roman world. You're actually going to go out of this this nation of Israel, Jewish nation, and you're actually going to go to all the Gentiles. And you're going to speak to them. And, uh, and then uh, this whole Roman government is going to really persecute you. There's going to be this dude named Nero. And he's going to burn you guys on stakes as lampposts uh, for his weird parties. And, uh, and your families are going to give up their lives to protect the writings and letters that are happening about who I am. And then eventually Rome's going to become followers of me. And the Roman emperor is going to, and they'll be like, they'll be like what? And it's like, are you serious? And in fact, Peter, you're going to die one day. They're going to bury you, and they're going to build this amazing, huge cathedral right on top of that. There's no way Jesus could tell them those things. We would crumble up in a ball and be like, sorry, um, I can't do that. What did Jesus say? Here's what he says. You probably have heard this before. This is a great commission. It says, Jesus came and said to them all, he says, all authority has been given All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Then he says this. Does this sound familiar? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love this. gives them something to do. Very simple. You go. The mission is that you, it's Christ in you. Make disciples and teach them, baptize them. And guess what? I am going to be with you. God has been saying this to them and to you and I from the beginning. I will be with you. I'll be with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. This is our foundation. 
this is our certainty. And what you and I are longing for in times of uncertainty is to find and cling to the thing that we, we want to be certain. But you and I are not guaranteed this. And when you try to cling to that, whether it's a presidential election, if you're unhappy right now or you're happy, four years from now it won't be certain again. Whatever you cling to, when that foundation goes, when that certainty is done, your life feels shattered. And if you're me, if you're like me, you have felt that emotion deeply. You've been confronted with things that you held on to that went away this year. And so we say, well, all right, well, 2021, this, this, this will get better. And we begin to say, well, I say, well, when are my kids going to get back in school? Well, guess what? I don't, I don't know that answer. Maybe November. Okay, well, now maybe February. I can't know that for sure. All right? What I can focus on, what's clear, what brings clarity to me is, okay, I can focus on their emotional intelligence. How can I build into their character right now to give them strength to persevere through tough times? That's something that I can do, I can pursue. That's clarity in the moment. You might say, well, will I lose my job? Will I even have a career? What if the economy crashes and I don't have any tangible way to, to pursue and provide for others or just to make rent or whatever it may be on? We don't know that for certain. We can't predict the future. And so like, and we say, well, when is COVID going to be over? When is I, we, we don't know. We say this is going to happen, but then you hear of a mutant strain that's happening in llamas or ferrets in Europe. If you, have you seen this? And like... It's like they're, they're killing an entire population just so we keep this. It's like we don't know everything for certain. Which I'm not here to freak you out. I'm here to lead you toward what will really give you and I hope. We can focus on saving money. We can focus on reading scripture and spiritual disciplines that will build our faith and remind us of the hope that we have in Christ in all things. And we can read through the book of Acts and we can see people who walk through uncertainty have unbelievable, unwavering hope. You might say, well, when will I see my family again? I won't be around others. We don't know that. But you have an opportunity to invest and learn how to build and develop friendships where you live. You have an opportunity to be part of our dinner groups at downtown community, which mostly meet online, and to take the steps to build rich relationships. And consistency over time, you'll feel you'll begin to build family wherever you live, wherever the circumstance, whatever it may be. We have moved from trying to grasp at certainty because it's impossible to find when things are in upheaval. And we want to take the simple steps of clarity. And this is what Jesus was leading us towards when he gave us this great commission.
mission. I don't have certainty that my kids are going to turn out okay one day, but I can point them towards Christ now so that they have someone that they can depend upon beyond me. It's an amazing book that just came out from a woman named Shelley Miller, and she wrote this book called Searching for Certainty. And she wrote it after being diagnosed with stage four cancer and a sure death diagnosis. And she actually passed away last week. My wife and I were looking at this. I haven't read this book. It's new. It came out in October. But my wife has read her before, and she talks about this idea of certainty and how death changed that conversation. She says the very things that bring us comfort can keep us enslaved to the past and unable to move forward. Uncertainty is God's opportunity in our lives. She says difficult times can be purposeful times of spiritual growth. She encourages us to focus on God, on God excuse me, and try, instead of trying to fix things ourselves. It's amazing the clarity that she began to find when certainty was taken away. This week, our application together is this. What can you do to create more clarity in the midst of current uncertainty? It will lead you towards an actual foundation that you can stand upon. What are the simple things that you know you can do? And the foundation for all of that is you know that you can trust God with your story. You can trust him. You take the steps of what's in front of you and you leave it to him. That is freedom. And so I will say, do you, have you ever experienced that hope and freedom? Maybe your first step <clears throat> is, to, is to begin to pursue God. Maybe you read one of the accounts of Jesus' life. You can read the Gospel of John. Take steps to pursue who he is. Maybe it's getting back to just simple spiritual rhythms. There are simple things that you can do. And this is how God has led us and is leading us today. We can't guarantee certainty, but we can take steps towards clarity. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your guidance in our lives. Jesus, I thank you that in times like this, when the world feels in chaos and all, the, all those things that we say each week, that you have not left us alone in this. We don't have to wander around. We're, we're not clueless. You have given us so many great things of instruction to lead us through this. And God, I just want to thank you so much for that. I thank you for the hope that we know that we can celebrate and if we wanted to, we could go out and bang pots and pans every day because of the joy and the hope that we have in you. And I pray that we would stand in faith on that and simply pursue the things we know to do. And we know that your words will come true, that you will work all things together. You said it won't be easy, but you will be with us. Jesus, we want to say today, we need you to be with us. Come beside us closely. I pray today that we would feel the comfort that you bring. We are struggling. We don't know what to do. We don't have the answers. We've never done this before. But we know 
that we can trust you in all things. So we say that to you. We have hope in you. Jesus, we thank you and ask all this in your name. Amen.